Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hey guys, before we start the episode, I just want to let you know that we have Talking Metal hoodies in. Uh, They're pullover hoodies. They are badass. I am loving them and I'd love to send one to you. It's a great way to support the show. I know they're a little pricey, but just think of it as a donation, a, a, a show of support to what I do here with the Talking Metal podcast. They're 60 bucks. You can hit me up on PayPal. The PayPal email is striegelmark at gmail.com. That's S-T-R-I-G-L-M-A-R-K at gmail.com. Just tell me what size you need. They go small through double XL, and I will get that out to you. They're 60 bucks Again, they're real high quality, nice, nice hoodies, and I'd love to mail one to you today. Cool. And on that note, let's first thank our Patreon patrons who support this show with a monthly pledge. Please join us there, guys. I would love to have you as part of the the patron crew. All right, so let's do this. Steven Saylor, Steve Hoker, Sean Morgan, Sam... Sam, how do you say your last name? Soupy. Soupy. Is that how you say it? You got to tell me, Sam. I don't know. Ron Keel, Ralph Petrie, Miles Atwood, Mr. David Gray, Mike Jones, Michael Street, Matt Carroll, John Bouvoiri, Joe, Jean-Francois Blias, J.B. Allen, Jay Vaninsky, Jason Seth, James Bennett, Graveyard Disciple, Fred Roots, At Metal Dan, Anthony Mackey. And uh, I just wanted to mention, Dan, we're going to hit uh, a little Roxanne for you today. So stay tuned for that. I appreciate all you guys and the support you give us, as well as the other people, guys like, you know, Jerry from Long Island and all you other guys who are just uh, sending in pay- PayPal donations. That is also greatly appreciated. And uh, yeah, man, I did want to, one of you guys sent in 25 bucks to the PayPal recently. Who is that? That was... Uh, Joseph Leary. Joseph, thank you. I don't know if you go by Joseph or Joe, but thank you for your your generous donation. I appreciate it. All right, this is today's episode. We got some great, great guests. Tim Ripper Owens. He's never been on the show before. Unfortunately, he's like in a really noisy car during his, his interview or tour bus or something. But uh, we're talking with him and the one and only Bob Kulik, who was such a big part of history, if you know what I mean. So stay tuned for those interviews. 
All right, a little Talking Metal episode uh, coming at you right now. Hi, I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. On this episode, we're going to talk some rock, some metal, and anything else we feel like. We're also going to jam some tunes, have a drink, and share some honest opinions. Thanks for listening to the Talking Metal Podcast. Let's get things started. Here's an old classic that sounds just as good today as it did when we were kids.
Hewlett classic, the Kiss classic, Nowhere to Run, a Paul Stanley tune. It was on the Killers album, kind of, you know, that greatest hits album, which had some new songs on it also. Great stuff. Bob Kulik handling the guitars on that one. I guess I guess along with Paul, I'm not sure how the guitar duties were split on that specific song, but Bob is definitely playing on that song. He was such a tremendous part of history, which we've spoken to him about all that before. Um, and we will, uh, you know, we'll go there a little bit today, but for the most part, we're going to hit some other stuff. We're going to talk to him about his work with the great Motorhead as well as many other things. I love the I love hearing the Lemmy stories. Doro did that on the last episode. Now we got Bob with some Lemmy stuff today, so stay tuned for that. And my Jersey friends, my Jersey boys, Overkill, the Energizer bunnies of of metal. They never stop. It's new album every 2 years, every, every year two and a half years they hit you with a new record and they hit you over the head with it because it's always so damn good. I, I love this new Motorhead song. I want you to all go pick it up on iTunes or listen to it on Spotify, whoever you get your music. Um, it's great because it has a lot of Jersey references in it, which I don't know if people outside of New Jersey would get all the references. But even if you don't get all the New Jersey references, you can still bang your head and, and slam it into a table when you listen to this song because it is so great. It is, uh, again, new Motorhead. And it's called Welcome to the Garden State. You got a problem with authority. All due respect. You got no fucking idea what it's like to be number one. Peace. 
Welcome to the Garden State, a little tribute to the boss there at the end, right? What's that, tramps like us? Uh, they're doing it at the end there? Do yourself a favor and pick it up. I got Queensryche later this week. Cannot wait to see them live. They also have a new record out, which is quite good. Definitely check it out. Hopefully we'll get to Queensryche on another episode. But right now, for one of my patrons, Metal Dan, playing a song that I would say is not metal, but it's definitely good. Uh, you know, rock, right, Dan? Good stuff. Good call on this one. This is called Someone to Kill by the band Roxanne, as requested by Metal Dan on Patreon. Again, support us on Patreon, guys. We we want more of you in that exclusive club where you get exclusive content, So, uh, including a whole bonus podcast every week, every single week. So please join us there. Even the, the $2 a month, which is the lowest tier, gets the... Uh, the the bonus podcast everyone gets that so for two dollars a month you could have a whole separate mark striegel podcast every week and i encourage you to do that with us on patreon check out everything we offer there's so much great stuff and um including requests you get to program some of the the podcasts here like uh like this guy did metal dan here we go this is roxanne on talking metal you were gone, that you had moved on, but you're here on my caller ID. I'm not surprised your delusional mind thinks it might be alright to call me. What will it take to get through to you that this nightmare has come to an end? Delete me from your phone and leave me alone. I won't let you suck me back in. Don't call me. you behind. I told you the tables would turn. Now don't look to me for sympathy, cause baby that bridge has been burned. Don't try to explain the dead and the pain, like always your words are just hollow.
Someone to Kill by Roxanne. We're going to get now into our interview with the legendary Bob Kulik, guitarist extraordinaire. Go to this guy's Wikipedia page. It's mind-boggling, everything he's done. Grammy Award winner. So, so talented. So good. And we will hear um, from Tim Ripper Owens a little later in the podcast. But right now, this is a song, Sweet Victory. And we're going to hear a little bit of this song, a sound sample. Go purchase the full song on iTunes or Amazon Music or wherever. And Bob's going to tell us the story behind this song, which is a really fascinating story. So here's a little sound sample of Sweet Victory, followed by my interview with legendary Kiss Session guitarist Bob Kulik. It's the thrill of one more kill The last one to fall Will never sacrifice their will Don't ever look back On the world closing in The only attack With your wings on the wind All the games will begin And it's sweet Mark Striegel of the Talking Metal Podcast and checking in again with us. Always an honor to talk with this guy, Mr. Bob Kulik. How are you, Bob? Good, Mark. How you doing today? Thank you so much for having me on your show. Oh, you bet. I'm psyched, man. You have this new tune out. It's new to me, at least. It's uh, Sweet Victory, and it's doing well. It's on like on the Billboard charts at like 17 or something. Congratulations. Thank you so much. It's actually a song that uh, David Glenn Isley, a lead singer, songwriter extraordinaire, singer extraordinaire. Uh, Dave was a member back in the day of bands like Dirty White Boy and Jafria. Of course. And uh, subsequently we did some work together with Murderer's Row um, and this song, uh, which is an anthemic rock anthem that was done back in the late 90s that surfaced uh, on a Spongebob episode called Band Geeks and became iconic. Wow. And so this past year, there was a petition raised uh, by fans of Sweet Victory uh, to have the song in honor of the passing of Stephen Hillenburg, the creator of Spongebob, right. by having the song played at the Super Bowl. And it created a huge furor 
And a million people voted for it. And there were all these comments by Maroon 5 and this and that and the stadium and all of that. As it turned out, they only played the intro for the song and never played the song. But the response was so overwhelming that they, people wanted to hear the song. The Dallas Stars showed it at their hockey game. And now uh, Dave and I uh, redid the song. We actually added an orchestra. I heard and that now version. We have, yeah. And now we have new Uber versions of which uh, uh, they are, the, the streams last I checked uh, on Spotify uh, was about 85,000. Oh my God! I mean, and, what a story! And, and this is less than what less than one month. Three wow. weeks, wow. eighty-five thousand. Wow! And you so, know, I urge I urge people to go to iTunes and the places where they can purchase the song to please buy the song to have it. Um, millions and millions and millions of people were treated to this song. It's one of the most special things in my life and in Dave Isley's life. And I'm so thankful that you brought this up, Mark, because it's been a real sweet victory in that regard. Yeah, I mean, and what what a story that is. So this song dates back to, tell me again, you you said it, but the, the 90s? Late 90s, or late, late 90s, okay. yeah. Wow, yeah. wow, yeah. awesome. And so yeah. the orchestra version, which is great, I really like the orchestra version. I, I was, actually, it's available also on Amazon Music. I was listening to it there. Um, the orchestra version, is that... A new so recently you went in and added the orchestra. That's correct. Um, I was able to use the resources that I have of people who I've worked with in the past. Doug Katsaris, genius keyboard player, composer, writer, orchestrator, uh, the guy my band made from Balance. We worked together with Dee Snyder on his. Uh, Broadway show tunes records. We worked together on the Sinatra record. He's a great orchestrator, so I turned him loose on this, and this is what he came up with in a day, literally. And, uh, you know, people have commented, you know, like, this is so amazing. To be able to add an orchestra just gives it some more importance now. Like, wow, listen to this. It's it's ready for a movie. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, it sounds like movie material, for sure. And would you... or, or, or Or a sports team taking it on. Right on. And would you and David ever consider doing like a full length together? I know he was on the Skeletons in the Closets uh, album too, but any thoughts of ever doing a full length yes, or and, not really? And, and if, if Yes, and if you look online uh, and Google India, you'll see a video that we did last August uh, that we used for the re-release of the Murderer's Rose CD. So we have been working together. Um, I think we're going to do more together because he is a special guy, uh, a special talent. And in every area, uh, he excels. You know, even some of the great singers, you referenced my record, Skeletons in the Closet. Even, you know, the Robin McCauley's and the Andrew Freeman's and all those guys on there, uh, they all commented about Dave. Like, Dave Isley, wow. And I was just like, well, when the other singers are commenting, then you know. (laughs) Absolutely. So not not that I need somebody to tell me with all my vast experience. He was always my favorite singer, and I always regretted the fact that we got together 10 years too late, 10 years too late. But as this shows, miracles can happen in their own small way. And here is one. Yeah. I mean, what a story. Yeah. Great story. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, last time you were on, we uh, spoke extensively. Go ahead. Go ahead. Just to finish the other story. 
to see digital sales number 17 debut at 17 was quite a thrill and to see it on the billboard rock chart at 23 has been a huge thrill obviously yeah it's awesome again congratulations on that i love it thank you so much and you know you do a lot of producer work and and your albums always sound so good. I was just revisiting the uh, the immortal Randy Rhodes, the ultimate tribute album earlier today. And the production on everything you do is just always spot on, always sounds so great. And I wanted to ask you, as a producer, when you get these sounds, it's more than just knowing where to place the mic in front of the amp, right? There has to be a, some sort of emotional connection into the artist's personality and into their 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 mind and their brain and how much of it is uh, the emotional connection with the artist and how much is it more the technical side of uh, you know knowing how to get a good sound out of a guitar amp well uh, you know uh, well there's several answers to the question probably get in trouble for a couple of them uh, the, the real answer is i always use professional studios and i always use uh, great uh, co-producer engineers. So Bruce Bouillet, who I did all that Motorhead stuff with, and I are working together. Bobby Ferrari, uh, we are working together. These guys are top-of-the-line guys. Uh, and working at studios like Bobby Studio and Camp 77 Studio here in Las Vegas, to have a real studio that has a vibe, not somebody's living room. Right, right. This, this is where the business has changed to, I, I mean, you know, I, I can get up and make a demo or something like that, but that's not recording what I want to record. I want to make real music that sounds real and I'm old school. So it's got to be right. It's, it's not a, let's get a drum loop going and let's, you know, we can start there to write the song, but then it's, let's bring in Kenny Aronoff and now there's our drum track. And then we add from there, you know what I'm saying? It, yeah. it, it's got to be. For me, it's got to be the top of the line, the way you do it. And unfortunately, that's not the way most people record anymore. And so that's the sad part because putting a mic in front of a speaker is one thing. You know, adding some EQ on the board uh, or or using a plug-in on your Pro Tools, that's another thing. But for somebody to feel inspired in a real studio, hearing it the way it was meant to be heard, there is no replacing that for me i know other people have done it i know people that have built expensive studios in their place and and those work great you know because the gear speaks for itself but you know i always enjoy going to the studio and having that experience that the studio has to offer it's it's the studio the studio that's that's what creates the ambiance and the vibe and the people there so to me can that be recreated in the living room i guess for some depending on the living room. but Right, mean, right, right. But is there a challenge uh, to get that? I mean, because I hear totally what you're saying, and I know like how you walk into uh, a studio and, and there's the vibe of the room and, and the, the just the there's a, a spiritual feeling sometimes there, but is it harder to do that now with the budgets that have shrunk just to, to such small places? I mean, how... how how do you make that work financially in today's times? You can't unless unless you're hitting home runs and working with top of the line artists who can pay. You can't, right? You know, and so that that's why you know I've done projects with Wendy Dio, where um, the big boy labels will play, and that's really the only way to go. 
uh, is to have a major label. Um, but having said that, you know, I work with Cleopatra Records as well. And, you know, there, there are labels out there that are willing for special products, for good products, for something that they feel will enhance their catalog, say, down the road, that, um, that they, they do do. And to that end, I have a couple of things in the works. Bob, one thing I wanted to ask you about is your work you've done with Motorhead and specifically Lemmy. How how was Lemmy to work with? I mean, let's start. I'd actually like to do a, like a song by song breakdown, and if there's any memories you can share about the actual songs and and the experience, uh, let's start with "Run Rudolph Run," which was Lemmy and Dave Grohl. I'm not who's playing guitar on that? Billy Gibbons. Oh my God, Bill. how was that? I mean, what? <laughs> it's amazing. Well, that was that was. Uh... You know, one of the most fun ones uh, that we did, obviously, um, Wendy and D, Wendy Dio and I came up with this concept of doing a metal Christmas record, uh, but we needed to do one so that people would understand what we were doing, because to just say it, nobody was like, so how does that work? All right, well, we'll, we'll get something together. So I called Lemmy, who was always up for doing stuff that he liked, and I said, so explain the circumstance. He was like, run, Rudolph, run, let's do that one. I'm like, great choice. And I'm just like, so who would you like to play drums? And he's like, can I get Dave Grohl? And I'm like, if you can, sure, that sounds great. And I'm like, so you, Dave Grohl, how about Billy Gibbons? He's like, that's perfect. So if you look at Lemmy's documentary, you will see the scene in there of Dave Grohl and Lemmy at the studio recording Run, Rudolph, Run. Wow, that's, that's amazing. And Billy came down a week later because he was out of town. You know, so I had... I, I had put some guide guitars on with a click track and played along to that with a guide vocal and poof was one of the most fun sessions. And uh, we were able to then have our quote demo to play for people. And and so uh, the label was so impressed Eagle records by this that they, that they immediately uh, wanted a whole album of this. And we were able to use the superstar cast that I was able to get on a project that was fun with, with some great people, a Christmas record, Absolutely. Metal Christmas. Absolutely cool. God Save the Queen, Motorhead covered that song, and you and, and Bruce were, uh, Bruce Bouillet were producing that back in 2000. Was that, was that the first time you worked with Lemmy, or was Run Rudolph Run before that? I can't remember. No, no, Run Rudolph Run was way later. This, was it? Okay. This was, this was before, yeah, this was, this was early on. Uh, Bruce Bouillet and I did. B-sides for records, and we also uh, mixed the Live at Brixton record, and we did, uh, we were co-producers on the uh, We Are Motorhead record, and uh, God Save the Queen was to be a B-side. So, uh, pick a cover tune, and let's do a B-side. I remember saying to Lemmy, what about God Save the Queen? Would that not be hilarious? Would you sing that? They all looked immediately... And we're like, this is great. It became a great choice because with him singing it, it immediately had a whole other thing to it. But go ahead, what were you going to say? Yeah, well, I was going to say, because I know he was, you know, had one foot in the hard rock, heavy metal stuff, but he also was a fan of what was going on in the UK and, and the States, for that matter, with with the punk rock movement. You know, he, he and a lot of the punkers really embraced Motorhead, where they didn't, a lot of the other hard rock and heavy metal bands. That's correct. Because 
motorhead was perceived to be authentic, which it was. You know, they didn't, you know, they didn't put their stage clothes on. He didn't wear something else and then go and put that on to go on stage. You know, he was the real deal in every way, shape or form. Yeah. And I mean, there were so many great tunes that you you did with Lemmy, but I I specifically wanted to tell you, I was at this Marty Friedman concert just two nights ago here in New Jersey, which was a great show. But the song they played before they went on stage was Whiplash, the Motorhead version of Whiplash that that you and, and Bruce produced back in 2005. And that is just such a great, powerful version of that song. And correct me if I'm wrong, but that won the Grammy, right? Correct. Wow. So that was that was another one of uh, our ideas. And was it a, yeah, it was a surprise that it was nominated for a Grammy? It's a great, it's well deserved to to win the Grammy in my opinion, but out of all the songs that were released that year back in 2005, I wonder why they they chose to nominate Whiplash besides the fact that it, well, it was look, awesome. It, if you Mark, if you look at the uh list of the other bands, that will give you the reason why that happened because uh you know the bands that were on there it was a time to kill switch engage in those bands uh, right. in those bands when they first made their presence known so this was the only band from back in the day that was nominated and the performance was so heartfelt i think people realized the the visceral connection of lemmy and and Metallica, that Metallica worshipped Motorhead. And so Motorhead doing this song kind of made it full circle. A song that Metallica was like kind of branded their stuff off of. And here's the band actually doing their own rendition of it. And so I looked at the list and thought all the other bands were the new bands and they would cancel themselves out. And that would Motorhead would win. And I went on record as saying it. Everybody in the camp, of course, the Motorhead camp, they all laughed. They were just like, you know, I remember Lemmy's comment, what are you talking about? We never win anything. I'm <laughs> right, just like, right. well, maybe maybe this time will be different. And it was. <laughs> Absolutely. Wow. Such a, such a great history with Lemmy. We are talking with Bob Kulik, who, of course, has done some amazing work with KISS, and we talked pretty extensively about that the last time, so we're not going to really focus too much on that today. Uh, but I did want to talk to you about your new website. Now, you just launched a new website. There's some great pictures up there. Do uh, you want to talk about why you had the need to revise the website and, and relaunch it and who worked well, on it I with actually, you? I actually never had one. So, oh, okay. Uh, well, there, there you go. This, uh, this was something that um, uh, my girlfriend, uh, Julie Bergans, who took a lot of the great photos that I've been using, um, and uh, she suggested that I, you know, finally get off my butt and 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 actually do something uh, that would uh, benefit my, you know, my career uh, in a way that I hadn't used before. So uh, she had suggested uh, this divinely designed web service out of Canada. These people are really, really good. And, you know, sending them the photos, uh, you know, with Roger Daltrey and. Chris Jericho and you know, Scott Ian and Robert Trujillo and just, you know, a, a cavalcade of, you know, uh, and there's, there's so many more. I just wanted to start with here, put up 20, 25 pictures 
you know, I was able to put up all of the uh, news items regarding the SpongeBob thing and the Super Bowl thing so people could follow along on there and see the articles in Newsweek and Time Magazine and all of that, which were astounding, as we discussed earlier. And then also to put up a little store, you know, where I have some photos and I have some of the CDs that I produced up there so people can get their signed personalized copies for me rather than, you know, um, they buy it online or whatever, or buy it from somebody and not have what they really want, which is, you know, somebody who's the producer or their, their record or their, one of the band members, like with some of the skull stuff or stuff, you know, so I, I think having some of this up there is, 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 it's just great advertisement for me and something for people to, to follow along just to see what's happening. And uh, I think it's a, it's, it's a fun thing. So, right. you know, it's a www.bobkulikmusic.com. Awesome. Cool. Now, back in 2017, you and your brother Bruce did the the Kiss Cruise and did the Kulik Brothers set on the cruise, which I, I can't afford to go on the Kiss Cruise, but as a, as a fan sitting at home watching the YouTube clips, I mean, that went viral, your performance, and in my opinion, was the most talked about performance and thing that came off of that 2017 Kiss Cruise. And it seems as though it was a one-off. I know there was talk you were going to do it again in 2018. That did not happen. Is there any thought that maybe that'll be revisited as a tour or a concert or, or anything like that? Because I, I, I really think it would be highly successful to have you guys out there doing you know, a similar set to what you did on the Kiss Cruise back in 2017. Thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, you know, look, I'm, I'm always open to anything that makes sense, anything that would be good, anything that would uh, make the fans happy. So we'll just have to see what happens down the road. Okay, cool, cool. Well, I know we'd love to uh, have you here in the New York area. I think, you know, again... I mean, the, yeah, the, uh, the, the, the other possibility, you know, just like what my brother did last year was, you know, he had his own band. And, uh, um, you know, I could have my own band and do some stuff as well, which I have done. In, in several instances uh, out here in Vegas where I've used a group of people that I really like who are passionate about the KISS material. Some of the guys from Count 77's band, Barry Barnes and Stoney Curtis and uh, Jason Ebbs uh, from Ecotonic, who also worked with uh, Peter Chris at one point, uh, uh, Sean McKee's drummer. Uh, these, these guys are guys that I've worked with, you know, like I said, the Count's band and all of that. We've done a bunch of KISS stuff, and we're actually thinking of possibly doing some shows. So, you know, we're just kicking around the idea. There's a whole bunch of ideas going around. And, uh, you know, with this being the uh, the end of the road tour, there's a huge demand um, for KISS stuff. And uh, my catalog is, you know, Paul's record and, you know, the songs that I played on that uh, I filled in for Ace when he was uh, not available. <laughs> And, um, right. you know, but it's been interesting to follow, you know, all of what has gone on. You know, it's it's uh, it's a soap opera in its own way, you know, um, the stuff with Vinny. And I mean, it's you know, it's life. Uh, but, you know, again, uh, it's a blessed situation in that, uh, you know, these guys are a uh, special band. Um, how many people can be this famous for this long? The true sign of greatness is longevity. Yeah, absolutely. I, I always enjoyed seeing you on that that original Paul Stanley solo tour. Uh, I saw you at City Gardens in Trenton, New Jersey, and I, I felt, oh yes, I remember. Yeah, that was a great yeah. show, and that was really I felt like because Kiss in the in the eighties, 
like they almost felt like they were kind of shunning their 70s stuff and not playing a lot of it in the set and obviously the makeup came off but i felt like that that tour you did with paul i can't remember the year it had to be what like 88 ish 89 maybe i don't know it seemed like that was really the first time that he started really embracing the stuff that he did back in the 70s do you do you agree with that uh i think you know he, at that point when we did the tour he was looking at doing some of his catalog which is what we did and love gun and some of that stuff was part of his catalog which we played you know put the xfx and stuff like that but adding the goodbye and tonight you belong to me and when you like to know me and those, that kind of really gave it up. Because as much as it was, those songs are from Paul's record, they were much more of the Kiss brand than, than, than a lot of the other solo stuff was. And so it made for a good mix and match, shoveled in between Paul's catalog of Detroit Rock City and all of that. That's what you're asking, right? Right on, right on. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. You know, and, and you know, I don't think it was again. I don't, I don't think the '89 tour was specifically structured to feature just '70 songs, but it did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a great tour. Always fond memories of that. And you put out a great record. I just want to remind everybody that Skeletons in the Closet, which came out uh, probably about what year and a half ago at this point, is is just a great record. You mentioned that you know David's on that record with you. Andrew, Andrew Freeman's on that. Who else? Remind me who else is on that record with you. Rudy Sarzo, right. Frankie Benelli, wow. Vinny Apathy, Todd Kearns, uh, Vic Wright, uh, Frankie Benelli. Uh, it, it's just an, an amazing cast of, of people. Um, Rob McCoy, as I mentioned before, mm-hmm. uh, Dee Snyder. Wow. Uh, great Snyder stuff, yeah. London. That's, yeah. 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 Really great. So this, this, there's some other people I'm forgetting. Sorry, Bobby Rock on drums on a song. On uh, the skull stuff, so you know, it's a really good group of people on there that, uh, um, you know, my friends, and uh, you know, a solo record with twenty-one people. <laughs> yeah, right on, right on. Great stuff. I love that album, and we're gonna feature some music from it later on in the podcast. Bob, unfortunately, I gotta hang up now because my babysitter has to be uh, relieved here, has to go home. But uh, I, I appreciate you taking some time to speak with us on Talking Metal, and it's always a an honor, truly. Oh, well, thank you so much, Mark. You always ask uh, very insightful questions and getting the best out of me. I really respect this and anytime. Look forward to doing it again. Late, cool moonlight, tearing up 
Yeah, Bob's uh, interview, you know, there was dogs barking on his side, dogs barking on my side, doorbell, doorbell was ringing on his side and on my side. We, so it got broken up a little bit. I tried to edit it together the best I could. I, I think it uh, it sounded good, right? Hopefully you guys didn't even notice. Maybe I shouldn't have said anything. But that song right there was Bob Kulik. You can buy that on Amazon Music. It's Can't Stop the Rock. You can buy it on iTunes. I encourage you to pick that song up, Can't Stop the Rock by Bob Kulik. Right now we're going to get into a song called The Three Tremors by The Three Tremors. And then we're going to hear from one of the Tremors. His name is Tim Ripper Owens. Of course, everyone knows him from all the great work. What a career this guy has done. Uh, of course, the, the man who replaced Halford and Judas Priest. Wow, uh, so amazing. But let's, uh, let's check out some of his new music on the rest of this episode. This here right now is the song The Three Tremors followed by my interview with Tim Ripper-Owens. Then we'll hear some more new music by this guy.
Mark Spiegel of Talking Metal. And for the first time ever, calling into the show, we have Tim Ripper Owens. Tim, how are you? I'm good, Mark. How are you, bud? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm psyched for the Three Tremors stuff. I was listening to it, and it sounds just great. The three voices, uh, there's some incredible stuff going on on this record. And I just want to first talk to you about that and hear about what's going on with the tour that's coming up. Or actually, you're on tour now, right? Well, I'm, I'm off the road now. I just got back for a few days. We did the West Coast and got back, uh, recharged the batteries in a few days, washed my clothes, and I head back out again to the East Coast. Awesome. Cool. And it's you. Harry and Sean, let's talk us. Let's talk through the collaboration, how it all came together, and you know where where it all started. Well, you know, Sean gave me a call. We met years ago. He opened up his bank cage, opened up for Judas Priest when we played in San Diego in like '97. And then years later, we started seeing each other at some festivals, and you know, start talking. And uh, recently, he said, "Hey, let's do a, a, a three singers thing," which I had done a few of them like touring in South America. I did one in America doing a tour, but it was, it was basically playing songs from my back catalog and the other singers back catalog, not a, an actual record. And what, that's what Sean got me on. He's like, I, I want to do this and make a record. It's going to be metal. It's going to be power metal, heavy metal, high note singing, you know, craziness that makes your head explode. And, uh, that it won me over because I do a lot of stuff. Musically. I do a lot of different records, I got a few records that are out now coming out and just came out that are different from this. And that's why I wanted to do it because everybody does these things and they just tour, you know, not with the brand new record. Now we have a brand new record. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. And there's some great tunes on the record. I wanted to specifically talk to you about a couple of the songs when the last scream fades the vocal acrobatics in that song just blow me away i mean some of those high notes you're going for then the other guys are like i guess doubling and tripling you like how how does it all work i mean it it sounds like it would have been uh, a a really fun time in the studio well you know it's crazy how we did this because i think this is what makes it sound a little different than you know, Sean sent me his idea of the songs with him singing. And instead of us just taking sections and parts of the songs, uh, I recorded the whole record myself as well. Uh, oh, okay. I went in from start to finish. And I think it, it, it actually forced me and made me try and sing it different. I heard Sean and I'm like, I don't want to sing it like that. I want to I want to stay in this template, but I want to use a different voice. So I really sang, I sang a lot different than I usually do. I sing more of a falsetto-y, raspy, a lot of raspy stuff, uh, metal church, uh, uh, you know, ACDC style stuff, because I didn't want it to sound like that. And I think that was the big, the big thing with it, really. And that's why now we can actually all release our own versions of the record if we wanted, because, right. you know, it makes it different, makes it cool like that. Cool. There's one song, again, on the record, just to kind of pinpoint a few of the different songs. The song King of Monsters, that is really, really great. It stood out to me as one of my favorites. Do you know what the meaning is behind the lyrics there? Is this a tribute to the heavy metal gods? What's that song all about, do you know? Uh, you know what? It's it's uh, it's a song that, that Sean wrote to, uh, as the King of the Monsters uh 
Ronnie James Dio and Lemmy. You know, it's kind of like, hey, let, right on. Let, and it, and, it's, and it is one of my favorite songs on there, and that's what it is. It's basically just a celebration and a tribute to to uh, those two guys, you know, and uh, the, to us in the hard rock world. They're the king of the monsters. Absolutely, great tune. One of my favorites on the record. So much good stuff. It's Three Tremors, the self-titled record, and we are talking with Tim Ripper Owens. I know you guys were using Pledge Music for uh, getting some funding for the record. They've kind of had some bad press lately. Did you guys have any issues with Pledge Music? Well, I don't know. I mean, Sean was handling that. And, you know, the thing about, I don't know, I got to be honest, I strangely enough, I never even heard of Pledge Music. I know this is weird. Ah, okay. Until, until Three Tremors released the, the record, uh, or was selling the record. And I don't know how much, you know, it's, I mean, as far as I know, Pledge Music is just a place to go buy your music, right? I mean, that's it doesn't help us out any, but just have a music store. I mean, they they you put all your stuff up there, and they help get rid of it and sell it. And uh, but I guess, yeah, from what I understood, they weren't paying their artists. So uh, I hope Sean gets the money from them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I hope so too. I hope so too. Cool. Um, so. You always have so much stuff going on. I'd love to touch upon some of the other stuff. We heard uh, Dio Disciples were possibly going to be touring this spring. I guess that was, uh, we heard that back in 2018. Is that still on the books or what's going on with uh, Dio Disciples? Well, we're going to more than likely do a, they're going to do the hologram tour uh, and it's going to be the Dio uh, hologram tour and it'll be in America. We're going to try to do it in America. you know, I'm looking at that probably being in June. Uh, so, you know, Dio Disciples will, obviously, the, the band is, is the backing band for that. And, and then uh, Oni and I will get up and sing probably about six, seven songs during the night as well. Uh, so that's that's the next plan. Uh, so that's supposed to take up a lot of the rest of this year, to be honest, on touring aspects. So I've kind of, uh, you know, not been doing as much touring with solo and we'll have to stop touring with three trimmers when we do that. So that's going to be it. Uh, and it's hard because obviously I've got a lot going on with, with releasing records and other projects and other bands. So kind of, kind of hit in a spot where I, you know, I wouldn't have any problem touring with something. Right on. And do they keep you updated on where they are with, you know, the technical aspects of the hologram and how that's going to work? How involved are you with uh, with that? Well, I'm, I'm not as involved. I mean, Wendy and, and uh, Illusion uh, does that. And, you know, it's a new technology. We, we, we toured with it last year, last December in Europe, and uh, it went really well. Uh, but you always, you know, since it's so new, I think uh, the Jeff who's the head of my illusion has had to, you know, go back and check some things over and tweak a few things and uh, change the set list around. And so we're kind of, uh, you know, working as we go along, they're, they're working on the kinks on that, but it's an amazing experience. And just to hear, you know, when I'm backstage and I hear the voice, I hear Ronnie speaking and then the band starts up and he goes into a song. It's really amazing. You know, I mean, it's like, uh, uh, it's really something else. Absolutely. Cool. Well, I can't wait to see that. And, uh, you know, we haven't had the hologram here in the States, at least not on an actual tour. So that'll be great. I hope you can make it through the New York and New Jersey area. Well, I'm absolutely 
probably 100% sure we'll be in the New Jersey, New York area. Okay. Awesome. Cool. And I mean, your career has just, I mean, it's staggering really when you look at it from Judas Priest to Iced Earth to Beyond Fear to Engve to Charred Walls of the Dam to Three Tremors and the list goes on and on and on. What are some of your career highlights? Well, I mean, I, you know, I think a big highlight obviously was, you know, uh, making Ju- being the singer Judas Priest, making Judas Priest and being the right. singer and, and uh, uh, you know, being nominated for Grammy and going to the Grammys. But as you know, I just have made these, you know, you think about it, I sang for it with, with Ingvay Malmsteen, the guy who changed his basic guitar playing at one time. Um, but really, I, you know, putting out my solo records and writing my music now and doing all this and putting out the three trimmers, these are all highlights. I just can't believe right now in my career that uh, all these years later, I make a living as a lead singer and a right. musician. That's awesome. Congratulations to you for that. That's uh, that's quite an accomplishment well, in today's know, days. And I stay busy. I stay busy because you look at it, you have on, on the 22nd the other day, you have the three trimmers record come out and you have Spirits of Fire come out the same exact release date. Uh, and that's with Chris Caffrey and, and produced by Roy Z. And, wow. uh, you know, so you, you do something like that. And then a couple, and then March 29th, a new revenge is released, which is with Kerry Kelly and Rudy Sarzo and, and James Kotek. So, I mean, wow. Yeah. I stay busy and all these record, all three records are totally different. They weren't recorded at the same time, which people have to understand. They don't think, I don't think I went into a room and recorded three records at the same time. They were probably each recorded a year apart. It's just with labels wanting to do things different, change it. They all pushed everybody pushed their records back. And for some reason, they're all on different labels and they all were released pretty much at the same time. <laughs> but you know, yeah. I'm, they're, I'll tell you, there's some of my favorite stuff I've done, uh, great videos for them. And anybody could check all that stuff out. Uh, you know, the three tremors.com or just go to my Facebook page, Instagram page, Twitter. You can find my official pages and check out what's going on, you know? Do you have any plans to do another solo record at some point? I do. I, I you know, I have some material worked on uh, that I was going to release another Beyond Fear record, so I'll probably use a lot of that for the record. It's it's really great stuff. Um, you know, and I'll, I'll I'll record it different than I did my first solo CD. It was recorded out in L.A. and it was all these different suit star musicians. This time I'll probably use one band uh, and just go with it that way. You know, and uh, It'll probably be a little bit heavier. It'll be more like the Beyond Fear kind of stuff. Cool, cool. And random question: When's the last time you heard from uh, Richard Christie? Uh, I haven't heard from him since uh, Amazon didn't come there. So I know he's pretty pissed off about that. So I haven't heard talked to him since <laughs> right, then. Right. But um, he's—I haven't talked to him in a little while. Uh, but he'll—he'll he'll just message me out of the blue. Maybe I'll see him in New York when I'm there next week. Uh, this week, basically, I show up on the 27th to do some uh, uh, interviewing for a few days, a lot of interviews, and then we start touring. But yeah, Richard's great. I'll tell you what, I uh, I was just listening to him when I was driving, listening to his YouTube clips the other day. Yeah, he's always funny and, and fantastic drummer, of course. And, you know, he's a lot of... Drummer. A lot of us Judas Priest fans recently read K.K. Downing's book. And, of course, you were uh, a part of his life for uh, when your time in the band, a very important time, actually. And I wanted to mention a few things that he he spoke about in the book. Did he actually come up with the name uh, Ripper for you? 
Uh, you know, I'm not exactly sure which one. I'm going to say, you know, definitely those guys definitely did. And I'm going to say it was, was Ken and Glenn as well right. that kind of did it. Uh, as far as I remember, um, uh, I, I just remember it kind of stuck. I mean, they kind of called me that. And uh, next thing you know, uh, uh, I still had it. Right on. And another thing he said in the book, which I found kind of interesting, was that re- it sounds like it was recently you were doing some touring and, and he claims that the Judas Priest camp tried to prevent you from using the uh, the artwork from the, the two albums that you were involved with, the, especially I think he says the Jugulator album uh, to promote your shows. Is that true? They actually did not want you using the artwork for an album you were on? Yeah, it did happen. It was it was basically somebody released a tour poster. Somebody released a tour poster, uh, you know, from one of my solo tours, and that's the artwork that they used. And uh, I just got an email saying, you know, don't use the uh, the the name and try not to use the Judas Priest name. I mean, you know, listen, it is what it is. Uh, I'm shocked that they wouldn't want their artwork out there. I mean, it's only pushing Judas Priest, to be honest. I mean, it is, you know, you know, contrary to popular belief, I know they don't believe this, but some fans do like those records and do want to see them. Right. They they like to see the artwork. So, you know, but I listen, I, I I listen to whatever they tell me, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I love the whole Judas Priest camp and all the guys and uh, management and uh, you know, so when they ask, me to do something i listen right on so i guess right now it's just ian and and scott are really the only two guys in the band that were there when 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 you were there Uh, they're the the last men standing kind of Uh, do you ever hear from those guys i don't that much uh i mean we're still friends it's just we all kind of go our separate ways i've you know i've always talked to glenn uh i'll see rob i'll see uh, rob every now and then and we'll talk um if we see each other, uh, you know, we're all friends. It's just a matter of, we just don't really, uh, go in the same circles. You know, Ken and I will, KK and I will talk, uh, via email and they'll come out to my shows and see me. So, uh, you know, it's always cool. Awesome. Cool. And guys, we were talking with Tim Ripper Owens again, the three tremors, the self-titled record is out now. It is a great listen, and you guys are touring, and you're playing. You're playing the whole album in its entirety, right? Uh, yeah, we we That's play awesome. all the songs, and uh, uh, you know, do some extra ones, and uh, you know, and it's funny because we've been doing it. We toured in December in Europe or uh, October in Europe, but because the record was originally supposed to be out and never it wasn't out, so we've. We've only toured so far before the record's even out. So this second half of the shows will be the first time the record's out. So I encourage everybody to go buy it so someone will finally know what the heck we're doing up there. <laughs> right on. Right on. Cool. Well, I hope to be at the New York show, man, and all the best to you. Thank you so much for spending some time with us on Talking Metal. Yeah, yeah. Definitely come out, say hello, and uh, we'll see you there. Perfect.
was a little Chris Caffery, along with Tim Ripper Owens, busting out the song Light Speed Marching by Spirits of Fire. Good stuff. And that's going to do it for today's episode. I really appreciate all the support you guys give me. And tweet this shit out, man. Go to our YouTube page, too, and check out all the content we're putting up there. There's a lot of fun videos. We're working that in Overdrive. We're also now appearing on the music channel on Roku. Roku. If you have Roku for your you know, streaming TV, definitely seek out the music channel and watch some videos that I've been uh, contributing to that streaming service. All right, dudes. All right. I love you guys. We'll talk to you next time. Have a great week. We'll be back with a brand new interview with Danko Jones real soon. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.